Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. As many of you know, but some of you newer to the love and life community may not know, I ended up in this space in a circuitous manner. I didn't set out to host a podcast or post quotes on social media. I'm a Gen Xer. Podcasts and posts didn't exist when I was growing up. It all started with my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. And the book was a result of my experiences as a single woman who read all the other books for single women and found them, in my estimation, to be lacking. Because most of the other books, at some level, wanted to tell me that there was something inherently wrong with me, and that was why I was still single. Also, so many self-help books for single women morph into dating how-to books, which I was never a really big fan of dating do's and don'ts because I believe we need to date as our authentic selves. Sure, we can and should present the very best version of our authentic selves. We want to date with confidence, emotional maturity, kindness, and mutual respect for those we date and respect for ourselves. But to suggest that some author or dating expert has some formula and if you just follow their five-point plan, all of a sudden Mr. Right will show up tomorrow, (laughs) I didn't buy it. So I believed that there was something, another message that needed to be expressed in the dating landscape. So I wrote my own book. And my book is about how to stay true to ourselves when dating and how to manage the single shaming comments that you are inevitably going to hear from time to time. My book is a word of encouragement and empowerment and a reminder that you're strong and courageous because it's easy to settle, but it's hard not to settle sometimes. Sometimes we just want to say, fine, I'll just be with whoever just so my grandma will stop asking me when I'm going to get a ring on my finger. It takes a lot of strength not to settle. And I know you're not about that settling life and neither was I. Someone else who is not about the settling life is last week's guest, Jenny Mallard. She's a singer-songwriter out of Canada who was inspired by the themes of Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, and she wrote a love song to herself. Her song, I Do, is poignant and profound, and if you haven't had the chance to listen to it, be sure to check out episode 198. I find myself humming the melody throughout the day. I love the tune. I love the lyrics. It's a great, great listen. And it's from another single woman who gets it and he's living that life and not interested in settling. And today I want to continue with this theme of respecting ourselves enough to know who we are and what we're worth, which allows us not to settle. And since, as I noted, Love and Life really started with my book, I'd like to share with you another chapter, one of my favorites, because it addresses something I heard all the time when I was single. Karen, do you think maybe you're too picky? This comment drove me crazy. I know people meant well, 
but they clearly did not understand how insulting a comment like this is. Like, everyone else gets to marry someone they're crazy about, but since I'm over 35 now, I just need to settle for someone mediocre? It was infuriating. So I devoted a chapter in my book to the topic, and I want to share it with you in this week's episode. For more of Single is the New Black, check out episodes 90 and 145. I give you chapter one. And in episodes 145, my Instagram community voted for chapter 11, which is quit worrying about being alone forever. If you've ever heard any of this kind of stuff, my book is for you. And if you've ever been told you're too picky, this week's episode is for you. I have been there. I have felt that. And I share my thoughts with you right after this. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. Chapter 3. You're not too picky. You're choosing a life partner. Aren't you supposed to be selective? A single woman should accept herself for who she is and never bend down to anybody's standards. Follow your heart and do what you know is right for yourself. And yeah, I've been called piggy. But what should I do? Just grab any Tom, Dick, or Harry off the street? Kimberly. This one's a gem. You're too picky. Every woman I know who's been single for any period of time has heard it. If you haven't gotten it yet, you will. Just wait. Be aware. It may come at you in another form. You're too picky can disguise itself in a comment like, you don't give guys a chance. Or, you're awfully critical of a menu date. Or, you really need to be more realistic. Realistic? About what? What exactly are people trying to tell us? How are we supposed to take comments like this? Obviously, I was on the receiving end of such statements too, so I don't really know. But let's explore some plausible subtexts. You're too picky might mean, apparently, you think you're pretty special, but you're no better than anyone else. It's time you considered lowering your standards. You're no spring chicken. At this point, you need to be grateful for whoever you can get. Sure, I got to marry the love of my life, but that's not going to happen for you. Sorry about your luck. You must not see yourself clearly. You're aiming way out of your league. These homely sorts we set you up with are more your pace. And these are our friends who say such things to us? Let me get this straight. When you're 23, you're allowed to be picky. In fact, you're encouraged to select suitors carefully. Everyone tells you how smart, beautiful, and exceptional you are. You're a catch. You should be discriminating. But as the years go on and you enter your 30s, people begin to chastise your choice to remain choosy. 
In fact, you've become a bit bothersome with your whole I just want to wait for the right one attitude. It's time to meet a guy, get married, and be done with it already. How offensive and insulting to suggest that because you're older than 25 or 35 or 45 or whatever arbitrary number someone designates as a cutoff, you need to be satisfied with whatever schmo comes your way. Oops, I just celebrated my 36th birthday and everyone knows you can't be too picky after 35. So even though I used to hope for a smart, successful, charming guy, now I'll just set my sights on a dumb, unmotivated, boring guy. Sure, that makes sense. But single women aren't the only ones who feel such comments. In fact, anyone remotely connected to you should take heed. As I noted earlier, my poor mother got this little zinger too. Karen hasn't found anyone yet? Maybe she's being too picky. Nice to know my lingering single status garnered insults for both me and my mother. Knowing that women can be catty at any age, see chapter two, I have to wonder what's behind the your daughter's too picky remarks mothers receive. I guess your daughter isn't quite the cat she thinks she is. She better go ahead and settle for whomever will give her a second look. Your daughter acts like she's hot stuff, but her arrogance makes her unattractive. Men don't go for women like that. You raised a little spoiled princess. And now look at the mess you have on your hands. Your snotty daughter thinks she's too good for anyone. It serves her right she's still single. Ha! Okay, maybe there's no ha involved. Psych 101. Why they do it. Honestly, I don't understand why anyone would encourage a woman to be less selective when choosing the person with whom she plans to spend the rest of her life. It seems like a pretty rotten idea all the way around. But let's assume most people have good intentions and are sincerely trying to help us. If that's the case, what might motivate the you're too picky comments? In general, I imagine the picky slurs come from people who operate from a vastly different position than us. For instance, some women connect well with a wide array of men. They don't really have a type. They love them all. Jocks, hipsters, surfers, suits, artists, nerds, sugar daddies, and boy toys. But perhaps you're the exact opposite. You know what works for you and don't want to waste your time dating a homebody when your wanderlust will inevitably drive him nuts. Friends with a more equal opportunity approach to dating might wonder why you pass up offers from decent guys. And because they're a bit more flexible in their selection process, they perceive you as picky. Others might claim you're too picky because they're fixated on marriage. Those in this camp believe a woman hasn't arrived until she's donned the title of wife. Unable to comprehend an existence sans husband, they care little about whom we marry, just so long as we marry. To them, all guys are about the same anyway. Just grab one and go with it. And perhaps they weren't all that picky themselves, so what's our problem? Similarly, some women push marriage for the purpose of procreation. They must get married because they must be mommies. Reproduction is the ultimate goal and they intend to make it happen. No question. 
Therefore, when dating, this type of woman sizes up a guy primarily on his fathering potential. This quality might prove even more important than the romantic chemistry she has with her partner or how well they click as a couple. How she feels about her boyfriend holds less weight than how eager he is to hold babies at her family reunion. Such women won't understand you're looking for more than just a baby daddy. They don't get it. So to them, you're just being too picky. And by the way, that's fine for them. No judgment for marrying whatever man for whatever reason. If a good enough guy who'll provide a good enough life is good enough, great. If he's got good enough genes to make good enough babies, good enough. But if you want a husband who's your best friend, best lover, and best partner, then by all means, be picky. Finally, and this is a depressing one. But I suppose it's conceivable that, in some instances, people call you picky because, down deep, they feel they settled, and they hate watching you hold out for the right one. I hope this isn't the case, but the possibility exists. It just hasn't happened yet. Okay, for the sake of argument, let's pretend to ignore this chapter and admit to ourselves, our friends are right. We plead guilty and promise to knock it off. What exactly might happen? if single women stopped being so darn picky? Well, if we go with the mindset that all guys are about the same and just take any old one, we'll probably find ourselves in lackluster marriages. Aiming the bar so low may cause us to feel superior to our spouses, introducing a dynamic of inequity into the relationship. That's always good for marriages, right? Best case scenario, we pity our husbands. Worst case scenario, We despise them and despise ourselves for settling. Or, if the kid factor wins out, we might embark upon a marriage of convenience, partners in parenting but nothing else. Since our marriage is all about the children, we might as well forget about romance and select someone who will be a good father and a good pal. And what about those children we so desperately desired? They get to witness a loveless union. What a wonderful example to set for them. Best case scenario, years of quiet desperation. Worst case scenario, extramarital affairs, divorce, and a nasty custody battle. Again, great familial baggage to dump on our kids. But at least we're mommies. Furthermore, our fantasy of a home full of rosy-faced, happy cherubs has little chance of materializing because if we settle for a mediocre marriage, our kids will more than likely grow up severely troubled. In fact, family therapists assert that children react behaviorally to turbulence and unhappiness in their parents' marriage, i.e., when spouses lack a deep, intimate connection or exhibit hostility toward each other, children pick up on it and act out in myriad negative ways. Furthermore, many psychologists believe the vast majority of children labeled as ADHD and bipolar are misdiagnosed. These kids endure the brunt of their parents' dysfunctional relationship by being diagnosed as mentally ill, when in actuality, they're merely unwittingly responding to unhealthy family dynamics. On a positive note, most kids with such labels can improve dramatically and be taken off medication after just a few sessions of family therapy. 
putting aside the family fallout, how cruel is it to even consider marrying or dating a guy who thinks you're madly in love with him, who thinks he's the man of your dreams, when actually the only reason you're with him is that you lowered your standards? Best case scenario, he lives a lie for 50 years. Worst case scenario, he eventually realizes you never truly had it for him and leaves you for someone who will honestly love him. Or maybe that is the best case scenario. Ditto. Right, we get it. We're super picky, super spoiled, stuck-up little princesses fully deserving of derision and disdain. Or maybe... Just maybe, we're not complete and utter snobs, but rather responsible women doing the right thing by waiting for the right one. Leslie Talbot, author of It's Better to Be Single Than to Wish You Were, supports this perspective. Quote, As one of our nation's 90 million unmarried citizens, I've become inured to the social pressure to couple up. The backhanded insults and armchair psychoanalysis meted out by friends, co-workers, and well-meaning strangers at the bus stop whenever my marital status comes under scrutiny. And believe me, I've heard it all. Selfish? Check. Immature? Check. Emotionally unstable? Check. Too picky for my own good? Check, check, and check. But I've never bought into the prevailing notion that a perfectly fulfilling, singular existence is little more than a karmic consolation prize. As far as I'm concerned, there's no more unfulfilling existence than one spent trapped with the wrong person. Take my word for it. A loveless marriage will sap your spirit and your sanity a lot more quickly than a lifetime of dateless Saturday nights. For me then, and for many of the adults in this country who are single, Singlehood is not merely the right choice. It is the responsible choice. End quote. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast. And I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May, Tim at loveandlifemedia.com. Girl Talk. Dear Karen, I hate to break it to you, but this chapter wasn't helpful at all. I used to be irritated when people told me I was too picky. Now I'm full on offended. Thanks a lot. 
but I do hear it all the time. My aunt tells me I'm too picky. My sister says the same thing. So do the women at work. And you're right. Our mothers get it too. My mom told me her best friend never shuts up about how picky I am. Between you and me, though, I think she's just bitter because a few years ago, she set me up on a date with her son, Jake. We went out a couple times, and he was a great guy. Attractive, smart, funny, and successful. But I just wasn't feeling it. Which was really too bad because he's a catch. Anyway, my mom's best friend has had an attitude with me ever since. And I guess in her head, I'm too picky because I wasn't into her kid. But to be honest, sometimes I do second-guess myself. I wonder if I'm holding out for some ideal man who doesn't exist. I mean, what if I'm being unrealistic, waiting for the fantasy of the perfect guy? A Prince Charming who looks like Ryan Gosling, but with Bono's bleeding heart, Bill Gates' brains, and Mark Cuban's business acumen? Am I kidding myself? Courtney. Dear Courtney, first of all, when you meet that Prince Charming, please let me know if he's open to being cloned, because every single woman I know would go crazy for your Gosling, Bono, Gates, Cuban hybrid. But to answer your question, are you kidding yourself? I don't think so. Look at it this way. You said yourself that Jake was a great guy and you wish you could have fallen for him because he would have given you a fantastic life. But I'm willing to bet that you have fallen for some guys in the past who weren't even the catch Jake was. Guys who, on paper, pale in comparison to Jake, but who did it for you. Guys with whom you had, for whatever reason, that indescribable chemistry and spark. After all, there's an element to attraction that can't be quantified. We can't put our finger on it, but we know it when we feel it. And we know it when we don't feel it. So give yourself a break. I doubt you're holding out for an unrealistic Prince Charming, but you are waiting for your Prince Charming. He may look more like Bill Gates than Ryan Gosling. Dang it. He might have Bono's business savvy. Well, he's pretty shrewd. With a Cuban-esque sports obsession. But that devotion did earn him billions. The point is, You'll fall in love because of your connection and chemistry. And any imperfections he has won't even phase you. Because he's the one for you. Those deficits may have bothered other women he dated. Maybe they even broke up with him for those same flaws. But of course, they were being way too picky. Karen The Awful Truth Remember, these scenes are not based on real stories. They are real stories. Beggars can't be choosers. Cast. Trisha. Single, 33-year-old school social worker. Stephanie. Single, 28-year-old fifth grade teacher. Mary Pat. Smug teacher married for 15 years to my husband, the lawyer. Interior. Bar grill. Night. Mary Pat. So ladies, how about that waiter for one of you guys? He's cute. Trisha. Mary Pat, he's like 21. Mary Pat. 
Well, maybe you're too old for him, Trisha, but Stephanie might be interested. Trisha. Steph, Mary Pat's decided I'm a dried up spinster and way too old for the waiter, but you could give it a shot. What do you think? Stephanie. The waiter? Are you kidding me? He's obviously gay. Mary Pat. <laughs> no wonder you girls are still single. You're way too picky. Lesson learned. If you're in your 30s and still single, it's time to consider gay guys. Hoping for a heterosexual constitutes being too picky. Guy talk. Seriously, from a guy's perspective, Karen is right on the money. I know women think men are the cruel ones, but we actually get our little hearts broken every once in a while. It's rough out there for us, too. And the last thing we need is to start going out with some hot chick who we kind of think is way out of our league anyway, just to find out she's experimenting with being less picky about her dates and we're the lucky guinea pig. That's really not cool. And I know what you're thinking. Well, if I date down for a couple weeks, at least I've done a good deed. I've given some poor fool a moment of bliss with my goddess self. Look, that's no consolation. Leave us poor fools alone. That little moment with your goddess self could ruin us. Even if we only date for a few weeks, we'll start thinking we can hang with your crowd. We'll be convinced we can play in the big leagues. We'll believe we're destined to date supermodels all the time, and we won't be satisfied with women we actually can date. So please, ladies, have a heart and be picky. Guy. Wow. See why we need a guy's point of view? I would have never thought of any of that. But there you have it. Apparently, it's not cruel to be picky. It's cruel to not be picky. I love it. Karen. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. Selfie. Sometimes when you constantly hear how picky you are, you start believing it. When Kyle my college boyfriend, and I finally broke up for good in my mid-twenties. I reluctantly entered the single scene. Although our relationship had never felt 100% right, I'd held out hope that our circuitous path would straighten out once I got my act together, finished grad school, became more independent from my parents, and found myself. But after our demise, I was, for the first time in my adult life, completely without a boyfriend. For the latter part of my 20s, I dated here and there, but kept Kyle on a pedestal. And to my mind, no one compared to him and the intense connection we had. Disinclined to move on and still pining for him, I drove everyone around me pretty crazy. My parents couldn't understand why I remained so fixated on Kyle, insisting there were plenty of men much better suited for me. Friends called me picky and got irritated with me for refusing to give new guys a chance. And I completely agreed with them, by the way. I felt like a disappointing daughter, annoying friend, and train wreck of a romantic partner. How did I get here? This was not the plan. So, on my 30th birthday, when I met a smart, successful, kind-hearted guy, I told myself that, although he wasn't my type, my expectations were probably completely unrealistic. When he asked for my number, I gave it to him. Three years later, he proposed, and I accepted. Had he grown on me? Yes. 
Did I respect him and care for him? Of course. Was I in love with him? Not at all. But at 33, I couldn't afford to be too picky. More to come on this story. Shout out. So to my smart, sexy, savvy singletons, I say this. If someone tells you you're too picky, agree with them. Of course you're selective. Settling for anything less than an extraordinary relationship is not an option. And until one comes along, you'll be just fine. Because single is the new black. The love and life hack for this week is you are not too picky. End of story. End of discussion. If others want to settle for a so-so relationship, that's on them. But you are not too picky for knowing who you are and what will work for you in a relationship. Thank you, as always, for joining us this week. If you have friends who could use a word of encouragement surrounding these concerns, please share the episode with them and let them know they can grab my free Empowered Dating Playbook on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. I mentioned earlier, I'm not about dating how-tos, but the Empowered Dating Playbook is much more about how to remain happy, hopeful, and positive on the dating scene, despite multiple disappointments, which you know I endured as well. It's grounded in psych research and also in cognitive therapy. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen anderson Abril, And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.